0: Hello, everyone. This is Matt Ferret, author of the Prepare for Medicare book series, and welcome to another episode of The Matt Ferret Show, where I interview insiders and experts to help light a path to a successful retirement. Come say hello at www.themattferretshow.com for YouTube videos, show links, notes, websites referenced, quotable quotes, and the complete show transcript. You can also check out www.prepareformedicare.com and my new site www.prepareforsocialsecurity.com. both websites support the books prepare for medicare the insider's guide to buying medicare insurance and prepare for social security the insider's guide to maximizing your retirement benefits each website has a spot where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter i cover medicare social security, of course, plus wealth, wisdom, and wellness topics in or nearing retirement. The topic of reverse mortgages is really intriguing to me. And to be transparent, I was a bit skeptical of the concept in general, and quite frankly, had some preconceived notions going into this interview about the product, the way it's marketed, and stories about its reputation for misuse, abuse, and gotcha foreclosures. Yet as I learned, and you will too, as always, perception isn't normally reality. Mitch Cooper is a reverse mortgage specialist with Mutual of Omaha Reversed Mortgage. He's well versed in not only the ins and outs, positives and negatives of reverse mortgages, but also how to use them and when, and at what age and stage. He walks us through when not to use them and how they compare to other types of real estate loans and other tools to address cash flow requirements in retirement. This episode will give you an insider's guide to reverse mortgages, the myths versus the facts, a breakdown of the upfront and ongoing costs of reverse mortgages, whether or not the reverse mortgage process and products have evolved, and how and when to use them as part of a comprehensive retirement plan for you or
1: your loved ones. Enjoy. Mitch, welcome to the show yeah thanks i'm excited to be here so thank you for having me on so tell everybody what you do how long you've been doing it
0: and how you help people
1: yeah so i'm a certified reverse mortgage professional uh which is about 200 across the nation Um, but really what i help do you know what i spend my days doing is is educating uh whether it's financial planners or uh, tax professionals or you know insurance um or or their clients on how to use housing wealth, you know, kind of strategically and also responsibly, uh, in retirement and in retirement income planning, um, and that's really what I what I spend my time doing is is educating and educating and more educating. Oh. so you you said two hundred. You're a retirement. I'm oh, sorry. You're a reverse mortgage specialist. What is that a, a special designation? Yeah, it's a designation um, from the National Reverse Mortgage Lending Association. Um, so, yeah, when I, I think it was August of last year, there was about 185. So kind of assume some growth and there's probably around 200 uh, nationwide uh, certified reverse mortgage professionals. So, so it's a little higher ethical standards and, and things like that.
0: Yeah. That's not a lot of people when you think about the population sure. of the U.S., right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive in here. Reverse mortgages. What are yeah.
1: they? yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of information out there. Some of it's good, some of it not so good. You know, definitely reverse mortgages have had a a bad name for a long time. Um, But broken down as simply as possible, four most important words are, it's just a mortgage. So, you know, a lot of people think we take ownership of the property or we take title of the property. No, no, it's just a mortgage like any other mortgage. We're gonna be a lien on the property so that if you go to sell, we get paid um which brings a lot of people think they can't sell no you you put it on the market and sell and pay off the loan the rest is yours just like any other loan um and and so that's the four most important things is first off it's just a lien on the property uh the difference is is we don't require a monthly mortgage payment for as long as the borrower is living in the house as their primary residence paying property taxes homeowner's insurance and then if there are hoa dues paying those as well on time um, and so you're paying all those in time, you're living in the property, then there's no monthly mortgage payment and we're just a lien on the property and we'll get paid when they're done with the home. So we're, we're a lender that's patient. You know, we don't get paid every month. We get paid when they're done. That's kind of the simplest way to think about it or you know, define it in a couple terms. So
0: there are no monthly mortgage payments. So Uh, help me walk me through this as if I were thinking about this let's just say a house it's paid off or mostly paid off and I have oh I don't know a quarter of a million half a million dollars worth of equity built up Mm -hmm. and um, I've retired and maybe I'm thinking about going on a trip or I'm going into assisted living or I've got some unexpected expenses or I just want some cash to feel good let's let's pretend for a second I've got you know, two hundred and fifty, five hundred thousand, somewhere in there, equity built up on my house. It's either all paid off or mostly paid off. Yeah. Um. So yeah. How do I? What do I need to start thinking about here?
1: Yeah. So if you think of a traditional loan, you know, and they have loan to values, right? And so the kind of normal conventional eighty percent loan to value. So you have five hundred thousand dollar house. They can loan up to four hundred thousand. We're also based off of value. Now. 95% of reverse mortgages today are actually an FHA loan. So they're they're all the parameters, the rules, regulations, insurance is all run by the FHA. Um, and, and that started in 1989. This act of Congress signed under Reagan to put the FHA reverse mortgage in place. Um, and, and so now you think of a traditional loan, they loan 80% and you make payments and every month your loan balance goes down. Well, we're going to start a lot lower you know, um, usually we use 50% for rough math. I think for most clients are actually going to be less than that, you know, they're probably going to be, you know, a young borrower for us is 62, 62 is the minimum age. Um, they're probably going to be closer to 30% loan the value. So we're loading significantly less um, up to maybe 60% if they're in their 90s. Um, and that changes every week as, as rates change. It's a factor of of interest rates. But so you take, you know, if we can use 50% just for the conversation, you know, a $500,000 home, maybe we can loan $250,000 total, right? And so it's not necessarily a function of the equity, but of the value. So if they owe two hundred dollars still on their mortgage, then all the proceeds, most of the proceeds anyway, would go to pay off that mortgage first. We have to pay off all the liens. And so for them, it's a cash flow thing of hey we paid off your mortgage you no longer have that 1800 a month or 1500 a month or 800 a month whatever that is for people you know housing's statistically the number one cost in retirement for most people and so now we we're not generating income we're not doing anything. all we did was pay off whoever that loan was with maybe wells Fargo or be later mr cooper whoever that was they're gone they're out of the picture now you have a loan with mutual of Omaha, and we don't require a monthly mortgage payments so i get to live in the same home they don't have that fifteen hundred a month of negative cash flow, um, and of course, if that's coming from an IRA, you know, now they don't have the tax, you know, complications of pulling from that IRA of fifteen hundred, so they're actually saving a little bit more, you know, and so really the cash flow position, the efficiency position that that puts them in, can help make the retirement a lot more sustainable because they now have a roof over their head for as long as they can live there, pay the property charges, but not have that that negative cash flow, the payment that scenario is by far our most common client is all we're doing is paying off the traditional mortgage um, and getting rid of that mortgage payment that by by far that's probably 70 percent of our clients are doing kind of that scenario uh, because more retirees than ever have a mortgage in retirement you know it's doubled since the 80s and so if we can just free up that cash flow that's a big deal for a lot of people um you know, free and clear house that's where it gets really interesting and a lot more complex and flexible, you know, free and clear property or, or somewhere in between, you know, if there's money left over. It can all be in a line of credit, so you do not have to take a big lump sum actually we kind of discourage it, you know, unless there's a real need for it, um, because it is in that line of credit it's liquid you, you can access it um, and the FHA even limits 60% of what's available in the first year. So they don't want you taking 100% of the proceeds unless we're paying off a mortgage that's kind of the exception. So, you know that line of credit is there, you know, if we use that example 250 now let's say they have a $250,000 line of credit. um, Just they're available to them and different than a home equity line one we still don't have the payments right so if they're going to draw on that line of credit we're not adding more negative cash flow, but we cannot reduce freeze lock or cancel that line of credit unlike a home equity line if you remember 2009 all the home equity lines went away or they were like nope you can't take another penny start making payments on what you have taken right that kind of a thing we cannot do that and that and that's a rule of the fha um and so as long as again i'll say this like 800 times but as long as they're living there paying their property taxes home insurance and hoa dues that line of credits there and and that's true even if the value of the property declines significantly, you know, as long as they're meeting the loan requirements, that line of credit's there insured by the FHA. And so that's the biggest thing. It's a little more secure and it and it's liquid for them, and you're not accruing interest on it, you know, as as uh you start to until you start to borrow, right? And so that's one of the reasons we say, hey, you know. Do you need 100 grand sitting in your bank to start accruing negative interest on the loan, or can we just leave it in the line of credit and you can use it as you need it um, and kind of help them structure it in a way that makes the most sense for them? Um, and then, you know, to, to confuse everyone, the line of credit actually grows um, and it grows at the same rate that the loan does. And so it's not earning interest, you know, it's just more available borrowing power. So if you think of a credit card that's mailed you a letter one year and said, Hey, you used to be able to borrow 2,500. Now you can borrow 3,500. Well, that's what happens on the line of credit every month. Say, Hey, you could borrow 250. Now you can borrow 253 and then 255, right? As you, as you let it sit there, it grows. And so that creates a really powerful tool if you plan ahead. Right. And so you put the line of credit in place and leave it alone and it's growing then 10, 15 years down the line, you have this huge bucket that you can draw from without incurring payments, monthly payments and having negative cash flow. And so we like to use that for long term care planning and things like that, where we can go, look, now you have 500,000 available to you when you're 80. And we can start kicking that on at five six seven thousand 7,000 a month. It's not going to last forever, but you let the home pay for the in-home care, you know, at once you reach that point. Um, and then it's just going to come out of the out of the home when you're done, when you sell. Yeah. It, so
0: yeah. So that's and I that was a lot to unpack, and I want to get yeah. to that all. Yeah. Uh, but but you mentioned a couple times in there, and I and I was unclear, so I'm going to ask the question: How is this different than a HELOC? Of it's just a line of credit.
1: Yeah. So traditional home equity line, you know, ten years typically of interest only payments for the first ten years, and then it's going to kick onto a fully amortizing loan after the ten years for the next twenty. Um, And so it's a great tool, I mean, you know, one of the things is reverse mortgages and and one of the reasons you want to meet with a professional that's going to help you see if it fits not try to sell you on a product is. it's a more expensive loan a reverse mortgage is and and the value is there if used properly right, but if it's if you know so that's typically why it's not a great short term loan. You know you don't typically want to pull money out to to fix it up and sell it because it's just no that's where the home equity line or a cash out refinance that's where that tool fits. Um, but reverse mortgage just tends to be it's more expensive and so it's better for the long haul of the of the positive cash flow so you know home equity lines, a great tool. When you get into retirement or you know we see a lot of retirees take out home equity lines because they're kind of trying to like I I need some money I need some cash, you know and, and I'm i'm hurting. And the problem is, is okay. You're hurting now. You're on fixed income. What is the likelihood of you being in a better position ten years from now when that turns into fully amortizing loans? Um, and statistically, for most HELOCs, that payment when that changes is about five times what what the interest only payment was. So you know they're making interest only payment, and now you know take a five times more negative cash flow on that payment. It's just it's not typically the best tool for retirement great tool for a lot of uses, very inexpensive tool, you know, quick, easy cash. But, um, when you get into retirement and you're trying to solve for cash flow, that's where a reverse line of credit. And, and once someone knows if they're ideally in their last house, you know, that's when a reverse mortgage works best. It doesn't have to be your last house. Like we said at the beginning, you can sell it, you can move go over to another one. Um, but it does tend to work best once you go, okay, yeah, this is where I want to live the rest of my life out. Um, and life happens. We never know if it that truly is, but at least it should be the goal, right? For people. Um, so, and then that growth feature, that's something that's completely different, that it, it just grows and grows as you leave it there.
0: So you spent, you said earlier in the show that you spend a lot of time doing educating, you educate clients, you educate wealth management, you educate financial planners, insurance agents, et cetera, all these people that are involved. And I'm assuming caregivers as well, looking mm-hmm. out for mom or dad. Mm-hmm. What is the, what is the typical profile of someone who might best be served by a cash out or not a cash out refinance who, who might be, let me ask the question again. What's the typical profile of someone who's looking at a reverse mortgage that makes sense. Now you mentioned Mm -hmm. the HELOC makes sense for different uses, you know, a 30 year traditional mortgage makes sense for others and Mm -hmm. keeping your house paid off might make sense for others. So Mm -hmm. what is a, what does a household income, what does a family look like? What's a house value look like in terms of percentage paid off? What's kind of the typical sweet spot for a product like this?
1: Yeah. So, and I mean, there's a few, and that's why, you know, every reverse mortgage looks different. We're solving different problems and things like that. And that's why you really want a professional who specializes in reverse. Um, and, and, you know, cause a, a typical broker would, would be able to, it's just the same mortgage license, so they could do it. Uh, But you really want someone who has a deep understanding of of the different ways to cater it and adjust it and plan ahead. Um, So, you know, cash flow is the biggest thing that a reverse mortgage provides is is cash flow, Uh, whether that's creating income from a free and clear house where we can dissipate that line of credit um, or getting rid of a mortgage, you know, and paying off the mortgage and creating cash flow that way. Um, And so, you know, typically our average client is 74. You know, 62 is the youngest age, but our average client's 74. To me, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think 62 is very, very young. Um, you know, I, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but it's also true. Sixties is the new 40, you know, I mean, people are just very young. They're very healthy. They're active. Um, a lot of them still working, you know? And so it's just, I think lifestyle wise, they're not really sure that they're in their last house at that point. There's still a lot of life happening. Um, whereas when you get into a 74, you're like that's when people start to settle in. Yep, I found my single level, you know, I can live here, I can retire, maybe it's a 55 and up community, you know, whatever their their choice is, um, it tends to be a better place. So, you know, one of the key things I, I try to say is are you here for a long time? Ideally, it's your last house, but are you here for at least five years or more? Um, for most people. Um, and then just are are we solving cash flow? Or can we make the retirement more efficient Um, and for longevity's sake? You know, we work with financial planners and they go, look, they're fine. Sometimes it's a it's a buffer or like a shock absorber. You know, sometimes they go, hey, they're fine. As long as everything goes perfectly fine, you know, they're going to make it. Uh, But if we have a long term care event, you know, or if we or if he dies too soon and we lose his pension, then things go south pretty fast. And so it's not necessarily a need based today but it's if we can get rid of that mortgage payment now, if we lose his pension, they're okay. You know, we're not going to draw down the IRA so fast. So there's going to be more assets there for her. um, and that kind of a thing. And so planning ahead, like everything, you know, tends to work a lot better. Um, and so you can always meet, learn about it and say, yeah, with where you guys are at, you know, maybe not today. Um, but you can't go back five years ago, I wish we did it five years ago, because we could have saved us a lot of that IRA and, and things like that. Um, so, I mean, it's really a cash flow and efficiency. So, you know, I, I say it's, a, it's an asset protection tool. It's, it's not an asset accumulation tool, but an asset protection tool similar to insurance. Um, and so I use kind of a, a fuel mileage analogy. You know, if you're on a road trip and you're out of gas, it doesn't really matter what miles per gallon you're getting, you're out of gas right? You can, you can be in a Prius getting 50 miles a gallon. It doesn't matter. You're out of gas. And, but if we had put that gas mileage in at the beginning of the trip, you know, if we got you 50 miles a gallon instead of 25 at the beginning of the trip, now we can go a lot further, right? Because we can use that gas more efficiently throughout the whole trip. So that's kind of similar to retirement where we go, if we can get rid of your mortgage payment sooner and not have to spend that money over 20 years, that's a lot of money that didn't have to leave our pocket it's all, it's liquidity and cash flow, and cash flow is king in retirement. So that's what we're really trying to do is preserve the other assets, keep the IRA doing well. You know, right now the market's way down. It's a terrible time to make draws on your IRA. You want to let that market recover. So th- there's even strategies. Can we pull from the reverse while the market is down, you know, take that income. You know, I'm not a tax professional, but it's a loan. So it's not taxable income. It doesn't mess with provisional income for social security and And so you have this t- kind of tax free bucket to pull on. Let that market come back a little bit, and then you could turn the income back off the reverse and go back to your IRA, right? And just use more buckets strategically kind of safely, and use them together in conjunction with one another. And that's when you get the most benefit um. Is, is
0: there a, you mentioned, thank you for that. Uh, you mentioned you know cash flow, you can use it as um, a draw, uh, much like uh, some financial advisors might use certain types of life insurance uh, mm-hmm. for not only that whole like when the market's down, don't pull it mm-hmm. out, draw off your cash balance and then let it mm-hmm. go back. And the same thing with yeah. long term care and long-term care riders on life insurance policies. Yeah. It sounds like there's some some similarities in terms of how that's used. Am I getting that yeah. right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very similar to that strategy. Yeah.
0: So, what in terms of you said age 72 or 70, would you say 74 or 72?
1: Yeah, 74 is our average. 74. Yeah, it's the minimum. And um, um, is there like a, a
0: typical net worth or uh, cash flow or, you know, social security only, social security plus? Like, what's your, or is it all yeah. over the map?
1: It is really all over the map um a lot of people do think it's it's for kind of that bottom income um it it maybe can work for the lower income there is income qualifying um but there's a lot of people that that don't have enough equity you know they they still owe 60 80 on their house and you know we could still do it technically but they'd have to bring in all that extra cash that they can't get from the reverse and so you know sometimes we're you know it's worth 500,000 they owe 400 and maybe we can give them two fifty. but well. you're still 150,000 short, do you really want to bring that in and get this pr- most likely not you know that's where we kind of send them back to the planner and you go this is how it would look. Most people are not going to do that, you know if it's 20,000 short, then you know okay that's you know 10 mortgage payments or 15 mortgage payments, maybe that makes more sense, you can kind of look at you know do the math and see if, if that makes sense for you, but. Um, and so yeah. Forgot where I was going with this, but there are so sometimes you get on that lower end and it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, statistically, I think it's kind of that mass affluent middle class, upper middle class, maybe a few hundred thousand in the IRA, um, and you know. So for most retirees, two thirds of their wealth is in their home for the average American retiree. So proportionately, you know, there's all sorts of net worths, but it's still around a lot of their wealth is in their home um and that's great except for once it's your last home it just becomes this this piggy bank you can't really touch you know you you have to refinance or sell it to get access to it and if you sell it you still got to live somewhere and so it just you know you got to have a roof over your head and so that's where we go okay can we use can we keep the main purpose of the home which is to have a roof over your head shelter you know there's kind of a lifestyle there depending on where they're at in that range but And then draw some of that wealth back out in a way that's secure, meaning you get to still live there, even if 2008 happens, as long as they're living there, paying the property taxes, homeless insurance, it doesn't matter if the loan balance has gone over the value of the home, um, because it's FHA insured, and it's a true non recourse loan. Meaning we cannot come after any other assets to collect that shortfall. So they still have a roof over their head, same home, you know, and that kind of thing. And we we do do a lot of high net worth. you know i've got clients with million dollar homes in california you know and, and as as long as the percentages kind of work out it still makes a lot of sense sometimes the high net worth are in a worse position percentage-wise you know they, they have a 3200 a month mortgage payment and you're just like oh man you're draining your retirement you know and so if we can make those work sometimes it makes a bigger difference than some of the lower so it's it it's more of a percentage thing um, and and doing it sooner rather than later you know, don't wait and draw your IRA to zero, then turn on the home equity piece. Because, you know, we'd rather keep keep the money liquidated in the IRA and, and keep a growing asset continuing to grow. Why do these things, and maybe it's
0: my own bias or perception, misperception or perception, why do these things have a bad reputation? I mean, and, and I know you can find yeah. a bunch of other financial management products that can have pros and cons. I mean, nobody likes the acronym HMO. In medicare mm-hmm. right people mm-hmm. go annuities and there's always some mm-hmm. you know publication out there it says you know watch out well okay but they're out there and they're being used and they're they're used for reasons why do reverse mortgages have some sort of a reputation as being i don't know yeah why Why? Uh, why uh, I mean, yeah you know what i, I mean, mean right I, I don't yeah, even know the yeah. word
1: but you know what i mean we hear that it's a scam you know you're stealing from old people you're stealing from the kids all sorts of things that we hear so you know if you understand the history reverse mortgages started in in, in the 60s um, they're started by insurance companies and they tr- when they did it they were truly buying the home off of their clients so they'd say hey you know you're free and clear on your house I'll pay you 500 a month you can keep living there um, and and then you you can keep living there I'll pay you 500 a month but they would take title and what happened was it actually worked for a lot of people pretty well This is very similar to our reverse but um what happened was people started outliving their life expectancy and the insurance company said hey we paid you in full for the house you you need to move out now um so typically you have single women in their 70s 80s now getting kicked to the curb so yeah that's there's not really (laughs) a better way to give yourself a horrible name that's a pretty good way to do it so that changed in 89 when the fha took over okay and, and, and they put out theirs. And now we, you know, like I said, we do not take title of the home. We're just a lien on the property. Um, and then there were still some things that it took the FHA a while to get right. Um, you know, that was the biggest change and in, in the biggest benefit. You know, that was a big shift to where now it's a true non-recourse loan. You could, you could owe a million on your reverse and it'd be worth 500,000 as long as you're living there, paying your property taxes and insurance. You're still living there, Right. And even then, if, if you pass your heirs are not liable for the shortfall, they would sign a deed in lieu and mail the keys. You could have a million in the bank. We can't touch it. So The debt is limited to the home. And so that was the biggest change. It was when the FHA took over. Uh, but there were still some things around non-borrowing spouses where, you know, one spouse is 62, the other one was you know, maybe 55. So they were a non-borrowing spouse. And when the spouse passed the borrowing spouse passed away, then the loan was due. And so that could have happened 30 years later, you know, and, and they've been living there a long time. And, and now that spouse is much older and all of a sudden now the loan's due and maybe they're upside down or they can't refinance, that kind of thing. And so that was also leading to people getting kicked out. And so, you know, those things got changed to where now there's a deferral period. You know, if the, if the borrowing spouse passes away, the non-borrowing spouse is eligible for deferral period, meaning they can stay there. The loan is not due. Uh, line of credit's turned off. If there's monthly income, that's turned off, but the loan is not due. Um, and then there was still stuff if that borrowing spouse moved to assisted living, long term care, then the loan was due. And that just got fixed last year to where, and they backdated it to 2014 that no, if they moved to assisted living, then they're also eligible for deferral period. So, and there's still some of these old loans out there that are under the old rules, you know, pre 2009. Um, and so, you know, and that's something I'm always happy to help someone that's going through the end of a reverse too. I don't care who did the loan, just because there's very few people that really understand them. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to help if someone's going, I'm getting this letter, you know, because we had one that was old pre rule and they called the service. They were getting attorneys involved. And I said, well, just call the servicer first, ask if she's eligible for a deferral period. And she, they ended up, she was, right? And so they got it fixed and now she gets to stay there without a mortgage payment. So communication is key on that. That front, but there's still some of those out there, and that also didn't help give them a great name. You know, people that kind of didn't fully understand the uh, consequences of having a non barring spouse. Um, but, and those things have gotten fixed. So, there's a there's few things every year, it changes a little, um, and they improve it and make it safer and safer. A lot of changes in 09 and 2013. Um, so, it still took them a while, but uh, you know, we say, If you're going to buy a cell phone today, you don't picture a cell phone from 30 years ago that weighed two and a half pounds that, you know, only called and received calls right now, we have supercomputers in our pocket. Um, and so, and the, everything we do with them except make and receive calls usually, um, and so that not only has the product changed a lot, the uses have changed a lot, and it's the same with reverse, right? What we did 30 years ago versus today are very different. And so don't, don't assume it's the same as 30 years ago when they were not as good of a product
0: what would thank you for that history and yeah i mean is there a way anybody can get kicked out today like straight up kicked out
1: yeah the biggest thing is is not paying the property charges right so when you hear a reverse mortgage foreclosure um it's most likely from not paying property taxes um, which is true of any loan they will eventually foreclose um but we don't have a monthly mortgage payment most people when they think of foreclosure on a traditional loan they're not making their mortgage payment and thus their property taxes and insurance um, we don't have a mortgage payment, so you still have to pay the property taxes and insurance and then the HOA dues because those ultimately would you would get foreclosed on, and so the lenders held responsible. Um, and so they have to I mean it, like I said, all the rules are set by the FHA and because the FHA isn't guaranteeing it, you know we, we kind of that um, pushed into it, I mean we have to foreclose those are the terms of the loan. Yeah. Um I mean I the other one is not No one there.
0: wants to kick anyone out of a house ever. I mean that's like the right. worst case scenario, right? No right. no
1: no reverse mortgage companies going, "Oh great, we're kicking right out of house." Right. Exactly. Um and honestly, you know, the most of the foreclosures in reverse are actually from a from a death because that begins the foreclosure process when they're no longer permanently living there. Um and so that uh, most of them there's even uh, the CFPB has data and things on that. But yeah. But that is that's how when I mean, you hear about that and there will be an article every so years that comes out about how terrible it is and you, and you read through it you know it's got a big scary headline and when you get down into it it's they didn't pay their property taxes for two and a half years you know it's terrible and no one wants people to be you know that their life to be so unaffordable and run out of money but you know it's just kind of the reality you didn't pay property taxes
0: for two and a half years yeah. something's going to happen that won't be yeah. good
1: yeah. And, and none of us want to see anyone have to go through that, but that's, yeah, that's how it that ends up happening.
0: So thank you for that. And thanks for the, the transparency as well. And I'm going to ask you to keep that spirit with,
1: um, you know, what are the pitfalls of doing this? What do you have to watch yeah. out for? Um, yeah. Uh, costs are, are co- costs are probably the number one in, in the, so and just the reason most of the costs are financed into the loan. And then you have accruing interest over the years right that's the reverse part that the loan balance goes up every month instead of down that's why it's a reverse. Um, so that's where you know you go okay we're going to move in two years you go, okay, you know, this is a very expensive way if you're going to pay it off in two years it's really not. Typically designed to be paid off in a short amount of time there's never a prepayment penalty it's just about wasting those costs that are going to come out at the end Um And, and so, you know, I had a client uh, last month that they said, well, we just need the money right now. And then we're going to sell our condo in three years and pay it off. It was like, okay, don't, don't do this, you know, (laughs) because it's just not, that's not what it's designed for. Um, On the flip side of that, we had a client and they had a two-year outlook, um, but they were free and clear. Husband has Alzheimer's. They needed 15,000 a month um, to care for him in the home. Wow. And they own this property since 1957 in Napa, California. So they built the house for 70,000. Now it's worth almost 2 million. Right. And so if they were to sell, they would have a huge IRS bill. And not to mention, you know, the realtor normal transaction fees. Um, And so this actually ended up being one of their cheaper options, you know, because we're like, okay, look, and they wanted to keep him there. You know, they're like, he's going to be happier here. He's less stressed, you know, he, if he leaves the house, he's he's worse. So if we can keep him here, fifteen draw 15,000 a month from the reverse for a couple of years, you know, and then at the end of that, if once he passes, you know, we can have step up in basis, sell and, and move out. And And so for them, it, it was the cheapest option, right? And so every, that's where I say every reverse is so different, but the biggest thing is finding a professional that's that's going to help educate you. Is help, you know, I was getting nervous if clients are like, let's go. And I go, okay, but we, we haven't even haven't asked all these questions. You know, you really need to understand the costs and the interest. And, you know, because you really want to make, understand what you're buying. So you need someone, you need to find a professional that's going to be honest and help find, you know, the truth and what's going to work best for you. You know, we want our clients to be happy 20 years from now that they did this. You know, we don't, we don't want it to be the last ditch effort or a band-aid on a problem there's sometimes where it'll work. And we say you know we can do the loan but what you know it's only two years from now you're in the same boat you know this is this is not really solving the problem and and so maybe selling and downsizing and then doing the reverse and that kind of a thing is actually the better option right we're really trying to find the best option for them um and so you know i think finding a crmp a certified reverse mortgage professional you know and, and Nirmala has a list on their website Nirmala is the national reverse mortgage lending association um, and finding someone that can really sit down and kind of go through and, and look at your scenario. But I, I think timeline is, is one of the bigger ones. Three-story homes with steps everywhere. You know, really try to put this on your last house.
0: The, do you think there's enough awareness uh, in the financial uh, uh, management or the wealth management community around this piece? Or does, it, does the old historical stigma still apply there as, as well?
1: it's getting a lot better, but no, not enough. Um, you know, and it's not going to be for everyone, but it should be another tool to consider, um, in, in, you know, FINRA who regulates that industry, you know, years ago said it's okay as a last resort. Um, and then some leading thinkers got together and went, why is a last resort? And they said, well, we don't know. It's just, you know what we put. So they did the math. And uh, Wade Fow on in the insurance side is is pretty um, iconic kind of in this area, but he did the math and go, okay, using a reverse mortgage as a last resort is actually the worst way to use a reverse mortgage. You know it makes a lot more sense to put it in place sooner and get the benefits throughout the retirement than to wait and use it at the end. And so they changed that, gosh, it's probably almost nine years ago, Finner changed their statement and said, okay, it's you know it's, it's okay to consider not just as a last resort. So, there have been changes, um, but even though Finner changed that almost a decade ago, there's still quite a few planners that we come across that don't, they just don't know. And, and and we think the number one reason people don't use them is they have no idea what they actually do or how they actually work. I mean, that's the biggest reason. No one really understands what they re- truly are. Um, and we um, we gave a presentation to Financial Planning Association here in, in Sacramento, California, um, and we, the advisor came up after and said, I didn't want to come to this. All the myths you went over at the beginning, I thought all of those were true, you know, and just totally flipped and went, this is an incredible tool. You know, it, it almost seems too good to be true. Um, and we're like, yeah, that, when you say that is when you get it. I mean, you really understand it. Um, and the reason it's not too good to be true is because of the costs, you know, upfront front and the FHA and mortgage insurance is the number one cost. Um, and again, it's finance into the loan, but so there's been, people have tried to recreate it, for less cost and you just can't do it you know there's so much value there it has to it has to cost but,
0: so what yeah. costs if i were considering this myself or i would had was taking care of mom or dad or both yeah. what cost should i look out for let's, let's pretend that i'm not using you for a second because i know you're yeah. you're gonna you're gonna list them out but Let's pretend I was already halfway thinking about this, or I was going online and looking for various quotes and trying to compare shop. What do I look out for? What are these? What yeah. are the fees that I that are that are variable, and the fees that are typically fixed?
1: Yeah, most of the fees are going to look really similar lender to lender, and that's you know, and this is talking about the FHA reverse mortgage that, which is what like ninety five percent of reverse mortgages today are the FHA reverse mortgage. So, um, it's called the home equity conversion mortgage or HECM is the FHA reverse mortgage. So on the FHA reverse mortgages upfront mortgage insurance, and it's always 2% of the appraised value uh, up to the FHA cap on value, which is going up in January to a million Eighty-nine thousand, I think three hundred. They can never pick an easy number. So, um, yeah, it's <laughs> but one way. in Medicare either. It's always right. One hundred and twelve dollars ninety-two cents. Right, you like, like round. Should we, we call up. it one fifteen or one ten? I know. Yeah. So just make this easy, honest. But um, usually, I always say, by the time I memorize the final number, they change it. Yep. But um, so you know, so a five hundred thousand dollars house, that's ten thousand dollars day one, right? It's a one-time fee. Uh, like I said, finance into the into the loan, um, but that's ten thousand dollars. I mean, that's not an insignificant amount of money, um, and so that's always you know so a million dollar home is twenty thousand, right? So you know depending on the value of the home, it it can be significant. Um, other than that, upfront mortgage insurance, you have an origination fee, which can be anywhere from zero to six thousand. Six thousand is
0: the cap. Origination fee is that the uh, is that the synonym for what the advisor or the or the person putting it together makes.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the not necessarily, but um, it's what the lender is charging, um, and you know we don't have points like a traditional loan. We can't say okay, you can pay a point and lower your rate. The origination fee though works the same. Um, so I mean not identically, but it, it's a very similar lever. So okay. we can do a zero dollar origination fee. It's going to be a higher interest rate, right? And so we can do so. Most of our clients do the full cap um, because it's it's the lowest interest rate and therefore the most available borrowing power, which is what our clients are. That's typically their goal. You know, I want to get the max out of my home as possible, whether that's in a line of credit or to pay off a loan. And so, and then you can also do the math of, yeah, well, here's your interest rate. So we would have reaccumulated that 6,000 in loan balance after a few years anyway, right? Cause the interest rate would be higher if we, if we waived that fee. Um, and then you have your typical title escrow appraisal costs. So your, your normal kind of re- refinance costs, which, in, you know, in California, we're somewhere between $2,500 and $4,500 on, on those fees. So it can be, you know, $500,000 house can be $20,000 in costs that are financed into the loan. Um, so that's, that's where I say, you know, I think a HELOC is in the neighborhood of $500, right, right? For cash out. And so that's where using each tool correctly, you know, comes into play. There's definitely a space for HELOCs. Definitely a great tool, but then there's also, okay, now we want to be in this house for 30 years or have the ability to not having that mortgage payment changes the whole picture. You know, and now we get to stay here, you know, and that kind of a thing. I was just using them correctly, but yeah, you know, they can be up now with the new cap, I'm sure we'll see because of that 2% fee on the mortgage insurance, we'll probably see loans if they go up that high on value, um, over the 30,000 mark in closing costs.
0: Wow. But part of the, part part of the, I mean, it's not like you can take out a mortgage without any fees. It seems like everyone, you know, comes out of the woodwork with their handout when you're trying to buy a, you know, buy a new house and get a new mortgage.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, how much would you pay for 1800 a month cash flow for the rest of your life? I mean, a lot. Right. And so, I mean, that, that's where you go is the value there. That cost isn't really an issue unless there's no value. So it's like everything, you know, Starbucks is a waste of money. Well, it's delicious and I want it, you know, so I'm going to pay six dollars now for a Starbucks, right? It's the same. Everything's just cost and value. And is it there or is it not? And if it's not great, you know, then it's not the tool for you. Right. And that's not a problem. Doesn't make it a good or bad product. just means it's not what's for you at this time
0: you've been very generous with your time. Um, I I've asked you a ton of questions and you've answered them and then some, so thank you very much for that. But what questions should I have asked or topics should I have covered that I didn't?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that's probably better in SIPs anyway. Um, you know, (laughs) because otherwise we'll talk for four hours and no one will know what we're talking about. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, you know, the biggest thing I think is, it's just a tool to consider. It's not going to be for everyone and then finding that professional that's that's going to educate you and help you find what's best not someone that's going to sell you yeah so i mean that's the key is just finding the, the right professional you know mutual omaha's is, is in 48 states um and and we we separate out our traditional mortgage in reverse so i i don't do traditional loans i don't do home equity lines i just strictly do reverse mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we find best because it's they're just two different animals So
0: you have to be licensed in the state, which the person is in. It's kind of like an insurance license.
1: Yeah, it's a national uh, mortgage license or NMLS, um, but it's state specific, you know.
0: Okay, so how do we find you on the internet? Uh, California's a really big state, so I'm sure yeah. a lot of people listening might might be interested in contacting you. And then, tell me a little bit more about the company you work for and how we get in touch with them. And I know you you rattled off a couple of things, uh, some some organizations that that give that licensing mm-hmm. actually right in the beginning yeah. of the of the show you did. So can you like how do people find yeah. you? How do people find experts like you?
1: Yeah. So I'm, you know, my website is mutualreverse.com and then slash Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L dash Cooper. Um, That's my specific website. You can also go to mutualreverse.com. That's going to be Mutual of Omaha's reverse uh, mortgage team there. Um, And then there's the National Reverse Mortgage Lending Association. And and you kind of Google that. Um, And they have a list of the CRMP, Certified Reverse Mortgage Professional. Um, you know, kind of like any designation, um, there's going to be maybe some bad CRMPs. Um, and there's some great people that are not CRMPs. So, you know, it's not, it's not in stone, uh, but I think your odds are maybe a little better if they are CRMP. Um, and, you know, you can shop around. Mutual Omaha is an amazing company. I'm, I'm very excited to be with them. I've, I've been with them for over four years. Um, very ethical, you know, over 110 years old, uh, not publicly traded. So we don't have to have short-term thinking, you know, everyone's trying to work for what's best for the client. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of them, but yeah.
0: Thank you. Um, how, what, you know, if I'm interviewing somebody or someone doesn't live in California and wants to find a professional, mm-hmm. um, you know, you mentioned it and I, and I say this in my book and I say this everywhere, you know, you have to find a Medicare insurance expert. That's not everybody. Um, so how, what kind of, and I encourage people to interview, like call someone up and go like, yeah, it's kind of how we started the show. What do you do? How long you've been doing it? You know, a little interview, try to figure them out. How would someone determine, uh, what's your advice to people kind of looking for that expert and that professional and how to identify uh, him or her.
1: Yeah. So it is tough in that, you know, in today's mortgage market, every broker in the country now all of a sudden does reverse. Um, you know, whereas last year they're doing 20 refinance a month and they're losing their mind. A lot of them would say, no, I don't, I don't, I can't handle those. Um, but times have changed and I understand. So, you know, you really want someone with experience, you know, how long have you done reverse? I mean, you can ask them how many reverses they've, they've done in the last year or two. Of course, they don't have to be honest, but, um, you well, know, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> most, most brokers are, Maybe have done one. You know, people that don't specialize in reverse. There are brokers that do both, and they really do them well. You know, I know a few where I go. You know, I'm I'd be comfortable with someone going with them because I know they do a significant amount of reverse. Um, But most typically, you know, if you find someone that does reverse only, that's going to give you a lot better odds. I mean, you're going to find someone that have really and there's a lot. There's companies that separate it out like we do. You know, I specifically do reverse only. I I think that's a great idea. To find someone like that and then again this you know if they have their CRMP even better because that shows they took the time and they have this they're doing CE every year. For reverse right spending the money on that designation, Uh, so that means you know they're all in on on reverse. Um, And you know you can I mean it's the same with insurance with anything right, I mean you can feel that salesman you know they're they're pushing you to to move forward instantly or, or you know it's just that kind of that salesman, that's the person, you know, personally, I don't want to work with. Um, and, and so, you know, there are some reasons to maybe not hesitate, because rate market is is crazy. But ultimately, it has to be a decision of, is this something you want to do? Is this the house you want to be in? Um, so I mean, you know, if, if it's the person that's just pushing you to do it instantly, I think that that's probably not the right person. Yeah, but I mean, I think asking about reverse specific experience is is big.
0: Mitch, this was awesome. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah, thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure. Um, And, you know, reach out anytime.
0: Thanks, Mitch. Make sure to hit the Matt Farad Show website for links and show notes. Until next time, to your wealth, wisdom, and wellness, I'm Matt Farad, and thanks for tuning in. The Matt Fair Show, related content, publications, and MF Media LLC is in no way associated, endorsed, or authorized by any governmental agency, including the Social Security Administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The Matt Fair Show is in no way associated with, authorized, approved, endorsed, nor in any way affiliated with any company, trademark names, or other marks mentioned or referenced in or on The Matt Fair Show. Any such mention is for purpose of reference only. Any advice, generalized statistics, or opinions expressed are strictly those of the host and guests of The Matt Ferrett Show. Although every effort has been made to ensure the contents of The Matt Ferrett Show and related content are correct and complete, laws and regulations change quickly and often. The ideas and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferrett Show aren't meant to replace the sage advice of healthcare, insurance, financial planning, accounting, or legal professionals. You are responsible for your financial decisions. It is your sole responsibility to independently evaluate the accuracy, correctness, or completeness of the content, services, and products of, and associated with, The Matt Ferret Show, MF Media LLC, and any related content or publications. The thoughts and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show are those of the host and The Matt Ferret Show guests only and are not the thoughts and opinions of any current or former employer of the host or guests of the Matt Ferrett Show, nor is the Matt Ferrett Show made by, on behalf of, or endorsed or approved by any current or former employer of the host or guests of the Matt Ferrett Show.